0: All right, we're fresh back from the Australian Powerlifting Union National Championships this week. Uh, What a weekend it was last week. uh, We had to stretch it out over four days because we had, I mean, it was just an amazing weekend. Uh, Well, amazing, really, four days. We had uh, originally 30 lifters from Adonis uh, scheduled to go. Unfortunately, two dropped out uh, due to work and injury. Uh, So we still ended up with 28 over there. Uh, of those 28 uh, 11 returned home with medals and the only reason why it was it, it wasn't more than 11 was because in uh, a couple of the weight divisions uh, we had more more than three adonis uh, athletes lifting in that uh, in that weight class for example in the 93 kilo division i think we had like uh, at least uh, five or six uh, five or six males in the open uh, competing in that division so Obviously, there's only three medals to go around, and uh, so it just becomes a case of fighting for the top three spots. Uh, first of all, a huge thank you to the Ritchie brothers at, the, at Ritchie's gym. Uh, they had one of the best, actually, they had the best, the best setup I've ever seen of any uh, national championship. It was on par with the world championship setups that I've been to over the years. Uh, you know, international level events such as uh, such as the World Championships and the Arnold uh, Sports Festival, things like that. Uh, just a, a fantastic space, enough equipment to go around, enough plates to go around, um, partitioned nicely. I mean, the stage, the, man, the live feed was amazing. Uh, just everything, top to bottom. Uh, the commentary, everything was good. Uh, we really enjoyed ourselves. As lifters, it, it's important to be uh, for... For an important competition, you want to be somewhere where you feel comfortable. You know, where it's not too hot, it's not too cold. You got equipment. You're not rushing. Uh, you know, there's not too many people sharing just the one sort of um, the one platform or the one squat rack, anything like that. You know, or not too many people, not not enough plates to go around for people. Things like that is important for like uh, high level competitions, such as like national championships, world championships, stuff like that. So uh, they they did a fantastic job. Thank you to all the spotters, the loaders, the volunteers, the referees. Uh, I mean, it, it all ran uh, fantastic. Well done to the APU for putting on uh, such a such a fantastic um, national championships. During my time there, during that that whole time, you know, I was coaching pretty much from the get go. I was coaching Thursday, Friday was was a huge day of coaching. Saturday I coached this one, and then Sunday I competed myself. Uh, I picked up on a few things that sort of reflections back on um, the national championships, where things where people go wrong, you know, coaches and athletes, uh, and I'm talking about across the board, nobody in particular. I'm talking about you know our own coaches, our own athletes, as well as other coaches of observations from other coaches and other athletes uh, that are um, that are s- simple and and common. Uh, there are there are things that uh, we mistakes we all make and uh, it's it's a good thing to make those mistakes to be able to learn from them and and take away and that's part of what the reason for this episode is is to be able to um, do my part in in bringing to the foreground uh, some of that information so that whoever's listening now maybe a future coach an upcoming coach uh, uh, an upcoming athlete or a competitor we can listen to this and and also make some benefit out of this so Uh, The first thing is, one of the main things I I noticed is the the need to, the absolute need to train exactly the way you're going to compete. The more you can stimulate, the more you can um, replicate competition scenarios and situations in your training the better you're going to do, especially as those competitions become higher and higher level. If you're somebody who's relatively inexperienced and, and you're going into your, your first nationals and you haven't really been training in as many ways as possible in your training to in the lead up to the nationals, there are things, more and more things are going to stress you out, more and more things are going to throw you off. And that is everything you can think of from top to bottom. I'm talking about if you're deadlifting and your knees are soft in your deadlifts and uh you know you look back on your say recorded footage and you not you're either not seeing it or you're seeing it and you're not really paying attention to it because you think ah I'll be all right on the day it's just that it's just a couple of extra inches right it's just i just have to lock my knees out at the top i just have to squeeze my quads and and, and i'll be fine uh, no you 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 won't be fine because Obviously, people, multiple people uh, at, at every competition, at any competition, are missing simple uh, cues, are missing simple details that the, they very easily could be or should be not missing and it could have uh, made, the, made the difference between a medal and not a medal, between first and second place, second and third place, whatever. So you have to be really honest with yourself in regards to how you're really executing things when you're training. And uh, getting that honest feedback from somebody else. It, may not even ha- it doesn't even have to be a coach. You could be training with friends around that at, at a particular time. You, those friends need to be able to give you uh, some really honest feedback uh, as to how that technique is. Should you maybe lock out more? You know, if you're uh, picking a squat and you're standing back, are your knees soft to begin with repeatedly? Are, are you leaning forward too much? Those should be pointed out. Now, if those things get pointed out to you during training and you're still not uh, getting them done, you're still not taking an effort to fix it because you think you'll be fine on the day, well, then that comes down purely uh, to you, right? That's your responsibility. It's on your neck. Um, and that's something you have to you have to deal with and you have to live with if, if it does mean difference between uh, a significantly different result, you know? So you you got to train uh, how you want to compete and that even goes so far as uh, your rest periods between sets you know in local level competition competitions often tend to be a little bit slower a little bit more relaxed that's the nature of them but as soon as you get start getting to like state level championships national level championships especially and certainly world world championships or international level events The speed at which things move is uh, drastically faster Uh, for a a wide range of reasons. Typically, just the organization of the meet is just better. So uh, the spotters and loaders are on the ball more. There are uh, people helping them out. There's just things going on real fast. And if you're in training and you're doing a set, then you're taking 15 minutes, 20 minutes to have a chat and sort of cool down a little bit, and more importantly, to m- mentally sort of calm down a little bit, switch off a little bit, derail a little bit, then going back and doing your next set again, that that habit is a very bad habit that can uh, really show up when it comes time for you to perform at your best on, on a big stage, especially on a big stage where now you got, you got, you know, one, two, maybe three others who are on par with you, who are close to you, who have a very good chance of taking you out. Now your stress levels go up because you're not used to that. You're not used to, first of all, having only five minutes rest between your attempts because it's a, it's a fast flight or, you know, six or seven minutes between your attempts. Uh, but you're also now not used to somebody else chasing you down. Uh, you 're used to a relaxed environment, but by definition in competition you're in a stressed out environment it 's competition you 're in a competitive environment that in itself brings out some stress now what what uh, you also don 't realize is that little things inside the competition that are any little thing that is outside of your comfort zone, outside of normality, outside of um, what do you call it um, you being familiar with, any little thing like that, it adds a little bit more to your stress bucket. And the more stressed you get, the more of a stress response your body starts to uh, basically release, right? More of a stress response you start to have within your body. A stress response is not a good thing, Uh or or an excessive amount of it is not a good thing, you know, because it's akin to a leaking tap. Uh, A stress response by by nature releases and uh, starts to tap into your energy. And you only have a finite amount of it, obviously, for the day. So if all of a sudden you're used to 15-minute rest breaks, pretty chill at the gym, and now you're having seven minutes and you've got to go again for that near max attempt. That is one thing that's going to start eating into your um, into your energy reserves. Now, on top of that, you've got uh, maybe uh crowd in front of you and you're not used to that. That also starts to eat a little bit into your energy reserves. Now, you know, all of a sudden maybe feel like uh, the bench is a little bit slippery and that that stresses you out a little bit. That throws you off mentally a little bit because you are used to having uh, your, your bands around the bench at the gym, which makes it a super uh, uh, high friction surface where you just get stuck to the bench and your bench obviously feels fantastic. You know, I'm talking about how people loop uh, stretch bands around the ends of the the bench press at the gym so that the shirt sticks to the bench a little bit better? Well, obviously, that's going to feel much better, right, when you sit up in the bench press. But you didn't think that maybe I should prepare for the worst-case scenario, not the best-case scenario. Because how often do you get on a bench in competition and feel like you're absolutely stuck to the bench? And how often do you get on the bench and feel like it's either just normal, not really super sticky, or worse yet, it's a little bit slippery? But you haven't prepared for that. You've just been preparing for the best. Case. In fact, you've been, you've been altering uh, the, the state of your training, the equipment of your training to suit what you want it to suit. Right, That's going to make a difference as well. Any of these little things that you haven't prepared yourself for, anything where in the gym you've just been taking it easy or you've been cutting a corner to try and make things feel better for yourself is going to take away from your performance on the day. It's going to eat into your energy reserves on the day. And eventually, when you get to, you know, maybe maybe for the, for the first, second or third squat, it won't affect you much. Maybe you're somebody who can keep it together a little bit, you know, and uh, you get through that. By the time deadlifts come around, all of that stress is sort of building up now, you know. Uh... Maybe you've you've been training with your body weight a little bit too high, too high than it should be, and uh, now you're starting to feel it because you had to cut three, four kilos too close to competition, and now you feel like you're cramping a little bit, and, and you're not used to that. That is, all of these things, they, at the time, when you're training in the gym, when you're training for that competition, it doesn't seem like... Oh, that's no big deal. I just have to do a weight cut. Oh, that's no big deal. I'll just uh, When it comes for the, when it's time for competition, I'll just uh, be resting a couple of minutes shorter. Oh, that's no big deal. When uh, it comes time for competition, I'll just put more chalk on my back and I'll be fine on the bench. But you don't realize that all of those things happen simultaneously. It's not just one of those things. You want to do everything in your power to, to eliminate as much of those uh, factors as possible. Totally get rid of them. So that instead of ten things changing that you're unfamiliar with, only a couple of things that you're unfamiliar with changes or, or comes about. You know, uh, obviously, you're not going to be able to completely eliminate everything that you that stresses you out or you're unfamiliar with, because just um, you know, by, by nature and definition, it's a competition. So there's going to be, for example, crowds there, lights there. You know, uh, it's a different feel, a different atmosphere. There's other competitors there that's going to be harder to uh, emulate in training. It's just something you you get used to, you get better at dealing with when you do more and more and more competition over the years. And just some people are, are just naturally better at dealing with stressful situations like that. Maybe they're naturally more competitive, for example. You know, they thrive in a competition environment. And so that's fine, right? But uh, no matter what, you want to give yourself the uh, the absolute... Highest chances of winning here. The absolute highest chances of, at the very least, doing your best, not even winning, doing your best, coming out with with PBs, coming out with a good experience, with a with a good taste in your mouth, not a bad one. And uh, if you are taking it easy in training, if you are not training the way uh, you you can be emulating competition, but you're not doing it. Th- at the end of the day, anything. In competition that uh, that you fall short of, you have to be able to relate back to that and see what you can change for the better the next time you're going to go into competition so that it doesn't affect you as much. So make sure that your technique is right in training. Your rest periods are right in training. Make sure your body weight is, is correct, uh, is at the right range. Does that mean you have to be exactly at, at your body weight when, you are, uh, when you're, you know, in, in, during your strength development blocks or whatever training into a competition no not necessarily but you have to be within a certain range where all you really have to do is cut out a bit of food uh, cut out a bit of water in the couple of days leading into competition or in a day or so leading into the competition and you're basically good to go you don't need to be doing any crazy saunas any crazy um, dietary uh, deficits or, um, you know, really drastic water cuts or anything like that, you ideally don't want to be doing things like that because uh, that's those the, the more extreme you go into measures, the more stress you put your body uh, under physiologically and also psychologically, right? Um, so that's something that is important that you should definitely uh, keep... Uh, Keep a track of and be mindful of uh, when you're doing uh, your training. The other thing is uh, your uh, your group of people who you train with and the environment that you train in. This one's more specifically probably for those of you listening who have a coach who get uh, programming from a coach. If you get programming for a coach from a coach and you are training around friends i mean that's cool right it's it's motivating it's a good environment to train around friends and and have people who are like minded who want to see you do better who, to push you but i think there's a fine line and there's a there's a danger when um, when somebody gets coaching and um, they train around friends away from that coach maybe because they haven't like a online coach for example Uh, And naturally, they are training around other people who are also keen and um, uh, highly enthusiastic for powerlifting and powerlifting development and getting stronger. So it is very common uh, and and almost expected that these friends are going to say, hey man, uh, what kind of program are you running? Let's have a look at your program. What are you going to do today? And from there is when it starts where... Maybe they'll say, "Oh, you're doing five sets." No, I think by now, at this point of the competition, you should be doing only two sets. Oh, you're doing you're doing re- uh, your reps at eighty five percent. Oh, I think you really should be doing it at ninety two percent because that's what my coach told me, and and so on and so on. And so you see where I'm going with this, right? T- uh, too many chefs spoil the broth, uh, and uh, the the issue here is that. Um, they don't know and don't understand the context of your program. So uh, if you're going to be training around people and you're getting coaching from somebody and the coach is, especially if the coach is not there because say it's an online coach or something like that, please make sure that uh, whatever the coach is actually giving you, uh, you execute on what's been given to you uh, so that you can maximize your your progress your your program you know you the best that you can do on the day uh, if you've coached if you've chosen a coach uh, chances are you've done your research and you're you're confident in this coach's ability because this coach has gotten other people to the same place right to to wins to pbs to medals and so on so and, and, I mean, naturally, anybody who chooses a coach has done their research. They're they're picking a coach because of that coach's um, uh, uh, reputation to deliver results. So if the coach can deliver results and you're given your trust in the coach, then it would be unfair to you and also to the coach to uh, step away from that because the coach takes time and understands the context of your mm, physiology And also your psychology in how you respond to training, how you respond to stress, how quickly you recover. Uh, Maybe all of that information has been put into the taper. So knowing how quickly you recover, how quickly you you have a time to peak, for example, uh, this coach has decided to be at a certain intensity, at a certain percentage, or a certain RPE, uh, a certain number of days or weeks out from competition. Now, if you're around others who influence that, uh, whether directly or indirectly, that can be bad. Now, let me, see, let me explain what I mean by indirectly. Because directly is, is very self explanatory, right? Like, uh, directly is, is just basically someone blatantly telling you, oh, that thing on your program that I see with my eyes right now is wrong. You need to be doing this many sets and this many reps at this type of intensity. Because that's how I do it, or that's what I saw on YouTube, or that's what I read on this particular blog. Okay, so that's that's directly. Sometimes people have good intentions. Uh, I mean, the same way as the directly, where people have good intentions. Indirectly, people also may have good intentions, and they influence your intensity in the following way. You get down. It's it's time for you to deadlift. You're training with four friends, and uh, you're coming into a comp peak and uh, during this these next uh, 3, 4, five weeks leading into competition you're going to be training regularly with these friends of yours who want nothing but the best for you. So they're going to uh, they're going to tell you they're going to psych you up every, every single session that you do for your squat, for your bench, for your deadlift even for your accessories maybe because it's all about going hard or going home, right? Uh, now the meanwhile the coach has okay sorry we had a bit of a technical difficult, difficulty there uh so as i was saying uh you have somebody who's training with their friends um and their friends are going to be uh psyching them up are going to be getting into them to to try and get the best out of that uh, that person's Uh, training because they they know that they're going into a competition meanwhile this person's coach has uh, written a program for them uh, given a for example a uh, an rpe let's just even pick a high rpe right right let's just say this person's coach wants them to work up to a single at an eight and a half maybe nine rpe but this this coach has instructed this person to to do these sessions or or at least this coach has an understanding that normally this person does their sessions in a relatively calm state, calm but focused state. Now, a single at an eight and a half RPE in a in a calm yet focused state is is hugely different to a to a single at eight and a half RPE when when you are being psyched up when you are in an environment where. Especially if you're somebody who, who thrives in an environment where you be you, when you are psyched up, when there's people watching, for example, when there's people cheering for you, uh, you know that weight is gonna is gonna move faster, uh, and it's not gonna be an eight and a half; it's gonna be a seven and a half or a seven, and you're gonna put more weight on. And for maybe one session, that doesn't matter. But when you're training with that group of uh, group of people, with those group of people. In the last four, five weeks leading into a competition, and they're doing that for you every, basically every big session where you have a big squat or a big bench or a big deadlift, that starts to accumulate in regards to um, the effects it will have on on your peak potentially, on your recovery potentially. So, uh, if you are getting coaching. And you've put your trust in your coach, then you also have to have the discipline to make sure you execute the program as per the coach's recommendation. Um, if you're unsure of something, you you have to let the coach know. Uh, I mean, just by the simple act of taking a video of your set and sending it to the coach, the coach can see very easily, well, you know, you're in an environment that is... Uh, Maybe too amped up, too psyched up, too hyped up. And that's, that's not very, uh, that's not going to be very um, beneficial for what we're trying to do here. And, and the coach will be, will be able to pull you back in that regard. But sometimes people don't send uh, videos as regularly as they're supposed to. And the coach can easily miss this. And it's not the coach's fault. Uh, it can become the person's fault, whether directly again or indirectly, as I was saying. So that's another factor that you need to uh, really keep in mind. If you've got a coach that's doing your programming, let the coach do the programming. Don't let others interfere. Don't let others butt in. Don't let others influence that particular program because that program has been written with a particular uh, context in mind of that particular athlete. Um, The coach has hopefully gathered some information about how this person peaks, how this person's uh, how fast this person recovers, and and a whole bunch of other things that are easily overlooked. On the surface, it just looks like well, my coach has just given me five sets of three or whatever, and uh, the, the deeper meaning can be lost easily. Uh, the the final takeaway point, uh, the final I guess important takeaway point is um, the demeanor of the coach. Uh, I firmly believe that if you're coaching somebody anywhere in anything, if you're the leader in something, if somebody's following your lead in something, uh, your demeanor, your attitude, your energy is is easily transferred onto the person who you are leading. Uh, If you are a coach who is unsure of the attempts you're picking, who has the body language that is down, uh, that is... um, not excited, you know, not energetic, that's going to rub off on your athlete for sure, especially the more of a beginner that athlete is. Imagine you have an athlete who's the first, first local competition you go into and you have a coach who's unsure of attempt selection, who's unsure of the the, the feedback, what type of feedback to give to, to this uh, athlete. Even if the athlete's maybe first squat wasn't all that great, right? There's a certain way to... For a coach to be able to communicate that to still inspire confidence and that's important and as again i think it's something that can be definitely uh, developed over time by coaches uh, some some coaches are maybe a little bit more natural at it because they are they are more natural people's persons or maybe they've had uh, maybe jobs or experiences in the past where they've dealt with people on a on a um, on a very regular basis and so they know their way around people and how to talk to people how to how to communicate certain things in the correct way so it's not misconstrued negatively or uh, puts anybody down you know the the demeanor of the coach is something that's very important for the athlete um the, the athlete will always look to the coach for more confidence and more reassurance and so as the coach you have to always be able to communicate what's happening what's what's good what could be improved on, you know, and you have to be confident and decisive in attempts that you pick, uh, and justifying the reasons why you pick that attempt, and uh, being able to just continuously inspire more confidence in that person, no matter how bad things are going. That's very important. That's an important skill to be to to be able to have. Uh, as a coach. Uh, it makes things much more enjoyable for the person, especially if it's one of the earlier competitions, especially if it's somebody who's naturally just more sort of neurotic, neurotic. somebody who's, who gets nervous more naturally, who, um, you know, tends to lose their marbles a little bit more uh, easily. People like that need a more constant reassurance, typically, and And a a coach who can do that, a coach who's good at doing that, it can be very valuable for that person's long-term approach because as time goes on, probably that person will will begin to, um, you know, no matter how nervous they are to begin with as lifters, as time goes on, they start to develop um, confidence, momentum in their abilities and um, they're able to sort of pull themselves out of a bad situation, even by themselves, even if they don't really have a coach around, you know, uh, they they can start to gain confidence in their ability to be able to turn a bad day around or a bad lift around but at a, at an international level competition at an important competition or at a competition where uh, a lifter is much more of a beginner i think it's important that uh, the coach that's accompanying the athlete or the handler that's accompanying the athlete is somebody who inspires confidence who is themselves you know not not nervous uh, you want a coach who's always looks like he's in charge or she's in charge um he or she knows the next step what we're going to do next this is how it's going to plan out you know this is what i want you to do and you do that and it's going to happen you know and uh, this is an important skill i think to be able to uh, develop as well so those are some of the uh, just some of the main takeaway points that i had from from the competition on the weekend um uh, all of them i think uh, even points that uh, we can um, apply back into our own training with our own athletes and, and our own coaches at Adonis Athletics to, to make our future results even better than, than what we had. So, um, yeah, I think that's it. Leave it there for now. Uh, let us know what you think of the above points and if any of them resonate with you.